Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. All right, let's kick it off. It's time for the Lake Show here. News Talk 830-WCCO. We've got you till 9 o'clock. That's what we'll do each and every night. And I appreciate you hanging out with us here on the Good Neighbor News Talk 830-WCCO. My last show of the week because I'm out of town the next couple of evenings. Steve Thompson will have you here on the radio. And I wanted to start tonight's show with a debate that's been percolating a little bit more here the last month that I've seen on social media that I just flat out I want to address. And it has to do with dating and what are reasonable expectations when you're out on a first date, first date, and you're ordering food. You should not be going on a first date and ordering the most expensive thing on the menu. This has been something that I've seen multiple stories. People have, you know, they've had the complaints. It's, it's you know, a guy and a gal are out, first date. Um, and the guy gets upset because the person he's taking out on the first date is just going just they're going insane with their order on a first date. On a first date, do not order the most expensive thing on the menu. It's not right. It's the most awkward situation to me when we're talking about getting to know someone. From that standpoint. And I'd love to get some reaction from guys, gals, whoever out there that want to weigh in on this. At 651-461-9226. The latest is a story out of Atlanta. So there's this influencer. And she's facing a lot of backlash. Because on a first date, she ended up eating 48 oysters. 48. So <laughs> her name is um, Equana. Okay, that's what she goes by on TikTok. She agreed to meet a guy at a place called Fontaine's Oyster House, which claims to have the freshest oysters in the city. He had been pursuing her for weeks. She says she had some time. She was bored. So she says, okay, I'll go out with this guy. So now she states that this establishment, Fontaine's, has a $15 special on a dozen oysters on Tuesdays. So what did she do with him on this first date? She indulged. She said they got the best oysters in Atlanta, like hands down. So I'm like, yes, I can get some content. So she ended up ordering four platters of it. 
And she states then, when the fourth one came out, he was looking at me crazy. I didn't give a bleep. I'm like, you invited me out, and I'm going to eat. It's not right. I'm sorry. So he, he, what ended up happening with this story is that the guy goes to the restroom because she had also ordered cocktails, crab cakes, potatoes. But then she realized he hadn't returned. She says that she was like, hold on. It's been like 10, 20, 30 minutes. The guy bailed. Now, I'm not saying that he should have bailed on her, okay? I don't think that that's the classiest or professional thing to do. But I'm sorry. And this is not about being cheap at all. It is, to me, not okay or acceptable to try to – because to me in this situation, you're trying to take advantage of the situation. That's all you're trying to do is she said, I'm going ham. I'm going off. It's on him. It's on the house. I'm ordering up. That's not right. That, that, that's not what a first date is about. The first date is, should be about getting to know the person. And like I said, this is not the first time that this has been talked about or come up uh, on social media here the last month. Heck, uh, Demetria Obolor. She's a journalist, TV personality. Um, I know for a long time she was in Texas. Um, I think now she resides in Las Vegas. Listen to her because there's a couple of comments that she had to say about this exact same situation. She wasn't even speaking about this specific thing that happened in Atlanta, but she's just talking about the the protocols, the expectations on a first date and how you go about it when you're ordering food. Take a listen. Oh, and by the way, another thing y'all need to stop doing is going on dates and ordering the most expensive thing on the menu like you don't have any home training. Like, really? One of my homeboys told me he took a girl to a ballpark, very beautiful date, got her amazing seats, asked her, babe, do you want something to eat? You know, what does she order? Not the hot dog, not the popcorn, but the $45 beef brisket sandwich. Like, really? You need the beef brisket sandwich. All right, so, so hold on. Ballpark, you're at a baseball game. And you think about peanuts and popcorn and hot dogs. And the person that you're with, this is the first day you go to a game and they're ordering the most ex- one of the most expensive things there? That's not as bad as the steakhouse, but still. I, I don't approve of it. She didn't just end it there. She also had more to say. If I go on a date and I'm going to the steakhouse, I mean, I always usually get the filet. But one thing I'm not going to do is get like the $500 tomahawk or, you know, use this as an opportunity to try some $600 Wagyu. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's not right. Even if you know the person can afford it, it just something about it doesn't seem right. What do you think? It's not about affording it. It's not. It's not at all. It is about being considerate to the person on a first date. I think it's unacceptable that a person would try to take advantage of that and then go on about their their business. I'd love some reactions. 651-461-9226. I, I don't – me personally, if I was that guy in Atlanta, I would have not just bailed like that because I, I don't think that that's the right thing to do. You, just, you don't bail and just not say anything. I definitely would have wanted to have a – you would have bailed? No, but I just think it's so awesome that she 
her intention were to use this guy that had been pursuing her for what you had said a considerably, you know, long amount of time. And then she gets there and she's using it for content. And then he realizes that, wait a minute, she's not into me. She just wants his food. He up and bailed. It's basically, I mean, you're forcing her to pay for it. So I, I, I know I kind of, is it backhanded? Yes. But is that so clever and vindictive? Do you think it's, also, right, yes. do you think it's right to make them pay for it when you said that you were going to pay for it? Now, I, look, I think that there should have been maybe a conversation that was had between the two once he returns from the restroom and he sits down and he's like, look. Um, look, I, you know what? I, I, I'm attracted to you. I wanted to connect with you. I wanted to sit down and talk with you, get to know you, have some food and some drinks. But I, I feel like you're taking advantage of me right now. I, I mean, I would have expressed those feelings that you are taking advantage of me. It's, it's a hard conversation to have, though, with somebody. Like when you're in the middle of your first date, the last thing you want to do is make things even more awkward than they already are. You try and somehow get your way out of it. And obviously this poor gentleman who, I mean, I guess legitimately going to be poor after she's eaten all those oysters, he can't find his way out of it. Well, all right, how about this? This is from the text line, okay? And I'd love for Michelle to call in because she's having a little bit of fun. I'd love to have fun with her on the radio. She calls in from Richfield. She says, if it were you by Henry, I would um, – she says, I would, I'm assuming buy one of, or order one of everything. She says one of everything. She's like, LOL, seriously, it's rude to order expensive things. Uh, and then somebody else says, what if the couple was paying for own meal? Granted, four plates of oysters is gross. I, look, I think on a, and, and this is, the thing about this is to me, first date. Now, now that's the key. That's first the key. Date. That is the key. Yeah. First date. You are just getting to know someone. And I don't think that that is the time to take advantage. That's where you're setting the ground. Um, you're setting the rules for, like, who you are, what you're about, what level of, you know, of, of what you expect, right, moving forward. Did, did she actually say that, quote, she was bored and that's why she went on Yes, this? she said she was bored. Right there. She, but he didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Clearly, he didn't know that. So I, I just – I have an overall issue – with her taking advantage of the 100%, yes. All right, let's go to Kristen in Cottage Grove. How are you doing, Kristen? Well, I'm, I'm good. I was appalled at the woman in your story. I think she was not only rude but cruel um, and deserves to have her name <laughs> on the news. But um, when my husband and I first met, I was very shy. But um, as soon as the waitress came to take our order, I said, separate tickets, please. And Mark said, baby, I want to buy you something. And I said, um, no, thanks. And, you know, no, thank you. I prefer separate tickets. And he hounded me, why? And I said, because I don't want to owe you my skin. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, let me ask you this. So, 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 so you were fine with just you taking care of yours, he taking care of his on the first date. Do you do you feel a certain way about those men out there, though, that say, no, 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 we can't sit? Because me, I'm the type of person, I do want to take care of the bill on a first date. That's just how I I expect it to be. I, I appreciate when a woman says, no, I'm independent. I want to I do this on my own. But I, like, we're here because I want to get to know you and I want to spend time with you. And I'm fine with taking care of it. Just don't take advantage of me. I think I think that that's that's really valid. 
and they think that young men should be um, groomed to, if a woman is rude like she was rude and cruel, they should just right out say, I can't afford that. Yeah. I mean, if you want to get it yourself, you're certainly welcome to, but, you know, I'm sorry, I can't afford that much. Yep. Hey, thank you. Go ahead. um, My husband um, asked me, when we were really getting to know each other, he said, well, my boys and I go to, um, we go to the laundromat on Saturdays to do a wash. Mm-hmm. And um, do you want to meet me there? And we can just talk and you can get to know the boys. And I said, no. And he said, what's the matter? Aren't I rich enough for you? And he said, I can't lie to you. I'm not a rich man and I have to do my own laundry and I have to do it on Saturdays because on, on the weekends where I have my boys, because I can't short them the rest of the day. Yeah. And, and, um, so he thought it was because I was, I thought I was above that. Yeah. And, and I said, no, Yeah. I said, no, that's not the reason at all. And he said, well, what is it? And I said, well, I don't think I should watch you fold your underwear. <laughs> All right. Thanks for the phone call from Kristen in Cottage Grove. She had to throw the wisecrack at him in there at the very end. But I, I do think that it's very unfortunate that that we have situations like this where people are trying to clearly take advantage. And I think that the protocols for the first date situation, and maybe some of you think differently, I, I think that you just you don't order the most expensive things on the menu. There's another layer to this that I absolutely want to get into, and it involves group outings as well. We will get to that. I'll continue to take your phone calls and your text on the Cities One Plumbing Talking text line. This is The Lake Show. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I got, I got a couple other layers I want to add to this conversation and get some feedback at 651-461-9226. And the other parts to this conversation, I need some help, too, from people out there in the restaurant industry that are servers and they host 
and all of that. All right, so the other example I want to throw out there, and I saw this on social media a couple of months ago. There was collectively, there was a large group. It was a group of about 12 people, okay? It was it was like eight women and four guys, okay? I can't, I can't remember exactly the number. But essentially, and it doesn't matter about the gender. That's not, that's not the important part of this story. The important part of the story is this. Out of that group of the Collective 12, there were like two or three of those individuals that ordered like basically like just an appetizer, no drinks. They didn't, they didn't really eat anything. They ate very little. The rest of the people in the group, though, went berserk. And then uh, a couple of the people in the group says, okay, when the, when the bill came, they said, oh, we're all – they're basically going to split it up amongst the entire group. And the other no. people are like, whoa, whoa, hold up, whoa, whoa, whoa. No. This has come up to like like a few thousand dollars. I'm not spending – I ate like $30 worth of stuff, and you think I'm about to pay you five – I'm not doing that. That is unacceptable as well, Right? And to me, and to me, there should have that that should be. I guess in hindsight, you say it should be addressed before you go out. But to me, it should just. I would never want to take advantage of a situation like that just because we're in a big group, and I think I'm just going to order up and everybody else going to chime in on my. But this is this is my question though. Okay. For anybody out there, please, I want somebody to help me out. That's a that's a that's a server, whatever out there. Somebody in the restaurant industry. Let's go to that example, and let's go to the example of the, the guy and the gal on the first date. If one person, this gal that ate the four um, orders of the, the four dozen of the oysters, right, and this guy hadn't even really, like, eaten much of anything, right, or ordered any drinks, if there's a, a dispute between the two, right, I don't care if it's a first date, second date, whatever, if they are having a debate and he's arguing with her or she's arguing with him about the bill, how does that – if he says, no, I'm not paying for your food, you have to take care of it, and she says, no, I'm not taking care of anything because you invited me out, isn't that, isn't that just a situation where the people at the restaurant – they have to come over and they have to find out who had what and, and ate what, and then the person has to pay. Like if I, if I'm out with a, if I'm out on a date, right, first date, and this person is ordering up like a couple hundred dollars worth of food, and I ordered like thirty dollars worth of food, and I'm like, I'm not paying for all of this, and they say, Oh yes, you are. The restaurant would have to force that person I'm on a date with to pay for it, right? If I say that I'm not going to, right? Yeah. See, and I guess when- how does that work? <laughs> I, I don't know. And and here's kind of what I'm, you know, when you're talking about the group dynamic, when you go to certain restaurants, like there are people that know, hey, I can only afford to have yes. an appetizer. Like I can only afford to have because of the place that you're going. Not everybody can afford to go have like the, you know, the, you know. The fancy stuff. Not everybody can get the filet. Not everybody can get the filet. Exactly. I just don't. I, I think it's very unfortunate. 651-461-9226. For the six five one, in my opinion, the dinner is a bad is a bad idea for first date. Hmm, okay, that's interesting. Meet for a drink. If it clicks, order another. My wife and I had three drinks over the course of five hours on our first date. 
Dinner plus drinks is two hours with no way to politely escape. Uh, this from the 612. Agree with you, Henry. Common sense. You know, right? Uh, first date might even be a split, but the date um, caller should pay for a nice, not extravagant meal. Look, on a first date, I expect to take, you know, to buy you a drink or two and for it to be a nice meal. But I'm not doing the whole, like, you're ordering the – like, if, if – you know, some of these places, they have this extravagant, like, gold – uh, like gold flakes, like on, a really big surf not, and turf. Yeah, we're not doing that. like the truffles. Like, you're, yeah, you're not doing. I, to me, it, it's just common sense and common decency. Yeah, like it's if you're being asked out on a date and if you're really interested, it's not about the food; it's companionship. The the food and the yep. drinks are like a sidebar. Yep, it is. It is. And, and I, I love for people on the text line to help me out with the group dynamic. Like, like I I just can't get with that. That to me, that is absolutely. The people that are in that group are trying to take advantage of the people that came and showed up and aren't really um, – they're just there for the experience and the camaraderie and hanging out with their group. They're yeah. not there to spend a, a bunch of money on food. Let's take a phone call from John in Eau Claire. What's up, John? Lake man, I'm going to kind of turn it around here a little bit a different direction. I, I want to see what you think about this. Okay. Uh, We've, we've been going out to visit my son and daughter-in-law out in the Bay Area, San Francisco, for probably the last uh, two years that they've lived there. And every time we go out there, every meal, it's like they expect us to buy the whole thing. The last visit was like $1,800 in meals just just when we went out. You, wait, wait, like, you said $1,800 for the meal? $1,800 total for the meals while we're out there visiting them. Yep. And amongst different meals, and they make twice as much money as we do. They have really good jobs out in Palo Alto. So we're, my wife and I are at the point now. Next time we're with them, we're going to say, "Hey, you know, guys, we're going to start splitting the meals, splitting the cost, because they've never ever offered to buy once for all the meals that we've gone out together." And it's just starting to get a little irritating. And yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to see what you thought of that. Well, let me let me ask you this real quick, John, before I let you go. How many times has this occurred? Well, I'd say uh, we've had three trips out there in the last two years. And, and how old is your son um, and daughter-in-law? Yeah, 28 and 27. And like I say, they're, they're trust me, they're making really, really good money, twice as much as what we earn. Yeah. All right, thanks for the phone call from John and Eau Claire. This is how I answer that. I think it's totally reasonable for them to say to them, look, um, we love you. Uh, we're always going to look out for you, but this, our expectations are not to always foot the bill. You guys are in a situation where you make good money. You guys know you make good money. You know you make more than we. If you're not struggling, and because to me it just becomes a thing where they look at it as just a meal that's comp for them. And it shouldn't. It yeah. shouldn't. It shouldn't be that way. So I'm with John. I think. I think he's he's totally um, right to let them know we're not doing this moving forward. Yeah, not not a not a problem at all. Because to me, it's about the gesture. Like I, you know, about paying for the meal. You know, make the gesture. And if you get rebuked, then that's different. But yeah, if you're in a situation. At least, you know, try and do right by others. And I think that John, at the end of the day, I just think that John needs to, for his son and daughter-in-law, he just needs to set the ground rules that, look, we love you to death. 
Um, but we we're not going to do this every time that we come out here and visit. We're not <laughs> footing a bill for a couple thousand dollars because that's quite frankly just not acceptable at this point. All right, six five one four six one nine two two six. Love to, to get more of your responses here via the via the text line. Uh, coming back though, we will get to Aaron Rupar from Public Notice. I want to get his thoughts on what's happening here with the Speaker of the House. Um, Jim Jordan has failed again to uh, be able to be the Speaker of the House. Where are we going in his thoughts on President Biden traveling to Israel? We get to that next year on The Lake Show. All right, welcome back to The Lake Show, News Talk 830-WCCO. The show where you're not going to get over on me on a first date and just order up everything on the menu at Manny's. Telling you right now, that's not going to happen. Joining us now from Public Notice, that's his newsletter. Aaron Rupar, you've heard him on the show many, many times. He joins us again here on this uh, this Wednesday evening. Aaron, how you doing, man? Not too bad. Thanks for having me, Henry. Hey, how you I'm, doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. Doing pretty good. I wanted to uh, chat with you briefly tonight because I look at this situation with the uh, the Speaker of the House and, and, and us as a country looking at what's going on in Washington and understanding or trying to understand the dynamics of what's happening right in front of us. Jim Jordan fails again to uh, accomplish being Speaker of the House. Um, what is your take on what has transpired here the last 48 hours with him and these couple of votes? Well, my take is that I'm going to have to be watching these uh, votes, you know, at least tomorrow and probably more days into the future because it doesn't seem like they're close to uh, getting this done. But um, I'm a little bit surprised because I guess part of me thought that Jordan uh, over the weekend would be able to line up the votes that he needed uh, to get this done. It seemed like he was confident that they wouldn't go to the floor until he had the votes, but he doesn't. And um, it actually got worse for him today. I think he lost about 15 votes yesterday. He could only lose five. And then today he lost about 20. So if anything, it seems like he's going in the wrong direction. And uh, I'm wondering, you know, if tomorrow there will be kind of a change where, you know, there's been some talk even of Minnesota's own Tom Emmer being a possible candidate for speaker. Um, if there'll be another candidate that's a little more um, kind of in the middle part of the Republican Party who emerges, because you know, I think the thing to know about Jim Jordan is that he is basically the Freedom Caucus's candidate for this. Um, you know, he's a far right, uh, supported the you know supported the January 6th insurrection and trying to overturn the election. Um, you know, obviously he has been involved in uh, accusations that he helped cover up a sex scandal at Ohio State when he was a coach there. Um, he is chair of the Weaponization of Government Committee that, you know, has, has really been pounding the Twitter files and, you know, trying to make it seem as though social media has been in the pocket of Democrats. And so, you know, he's a candidate that kind of represents that, that fringe of the Republican Party, and it doesn't seem to be working out. So I wonder if there is, you know, another candidate kind of coming down the pike here who might be a little more acceptable, um, you know, to people in the more moderate area of the party and then the, uh, you know, the, the, the party, the, the part of the party that isn't Freedom Caucus extremists. All right. So so my, my follow up question to that is with regards to Jim Jordan specifically, is that to me, it's a really bad sign when the second vote, not only do you have not have enough votes um, like you did the first time around, but you actually are taking a step back. So I guess in his mind, what justifies Number three, like try number three, because if you're losing people, that's not anything that is positive momentum at all. That's really strange to me, too. Um, You know, I I, I kind of thought he might give it up after yesterday um, because, you know, you had some of the people who voted against him yesterday doing the rounds on TV uh, yesterday evening saying that they weren't going to vote for him today. 
Um, all indications are that it's going to be even worse for him tomorrow. Um, I don't know if it's just a deal where, you know, they have to figure out the speaker thing sooner than later just to get the house back up and running. And so, you know, it's like, um, you know, kind of Sisyphus pushing the rock up the hill. You just keep trying because that's the only thing that you can do. Um, but it does seem to me like where this is headed is, you know, with, with some sort of compromise, either with McHenry, who is the current kind of like temporary speaker who presides over these hearings. There's been some talk of empowering him maybe on a short term basis, making him speaker for a few months. Or if that is someone like a Tom Emmer, who might be more acceptable to moderate Republicans emerging as a candidate. But, yeah, I mean, that part of it is kind of a mystery to me, too, because it's, it's somewhat humiliating for Jordan, you know, to lose votes uh, from yesterday to today. And it sounds like it's going to be just as bad, if not worse, from tomorrow. Yeah. And why he would put himself through that, I'm just not I'm not clear on that either. We're talking to Aaron Rupar from Public Notice here on The Lake Show on News Talk 830 WCCR. I got one more Jim Jordan question to ask you. Do you think the fact that Jim Jordan has never had a bill that's been enacted, do you think that that is like one of the top things that people look at and say, hold on, like, I can't take you seriously. You cannot be that guy. Well, it emerged today, and I wasn't aware of this fact, that not only has he never had a bill that uh, he authored become law, but he's never even had a bill that he's authored emerge from a committee. So it's, it's even worse than, you know, it's like he hasn't even really tried to author a bill that even went through the process of becoming law. And I think that just kind of speaks to, you know, he's a far right bomb thrower. He's a guy who's on Fox News constantly talking about Hunter Biden and teaching Joe Biden. Um, and, you know, when you're on that plank of the party and that's kind of your identity, you're typically not a serious lawmaker and proposing legislation and things like that. So, you know, I was kind of curious to see if he became speaker, how that would work. You know, someone who doesn't seem to really understand the process of legislation being speaker. I mean, that seems like that could be quite bad. But he was making some indications over the weekend that, you know, he was going to pass a continuing resolution to keep the government open instead of pursuing a shutdown. So it seemed like he was trying to moderate a little bit, um, you know, in hopes that he would line up enough votes to get this done. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for me personally, that's pretty far down on the list in terms of not, you know, offering legislation that became law of things that are disqualifying for him. But, you know, it's certainly not a good sign of how his speakership would have gone. I want to turn to Minnesotan. Tom Emmer. All right. So he's uh, the congressman from here, majority whip of the U.S. House of Representatives. Um, I know a little bit about Tom Emmer just in my time working at KFAN years ago and, and working with him, uh, doing some stuff on some some weekend shows. Um, I never had I've never had an issue uh, with Tom Emmer. Uh, I think the political climate back in 2012 and 13 is much different than it is here in, in 2023. But I guess my my question is this with relation to Tom Emmer is what what is his apprehension behind going to try to be the Speaker of the House? It's, it seems like he just really doesn't want to maybe step up and be put in that role. Am I reading that wrong? I don't know about that. You know, I haven't, I haven't talked to him directly to know what his aspirations are. I know that he was trying when it seemed like Jordan was going to become the Speaker to maintain his role as the whip. So we wanted to stay in leadership. And I think that's part of the reason that you see – some buzz for him. I mean, it's not that he's really achieved a lot in his role as majority whip, but, you know, it's that he is not offensive and, you know, he does come across good on TV. seems nice enough. He's got a certain charisma to him and he's in leadership. And so he checked a lot of the boxes, Um, but I'm not sure if he's reluctant or not. I mean, I believe he got one vote yesterday from a Republican, uh, you know, as Jordan was, as his uh, candidacy was sinking 
And so there hasn't really been traction beyond that. I mean, I just mainly bring him up, obviously, because he's a local guy, and it's kind of interesting to talk about him possibly being speaker, and there has been a little bit of buzz for it. Yep. Um, but I think someone like McHenry, you know, who is the presiding speaker right now during these votes, um, and also seems very inoffensive, and, you know, I think it'd probably more likely be someone like him than an Emmer. But, you know, I could see if the stars kind of align, given that he's in leadership and he checks a lot of the boxes that we just talked about, that Emmer could be a viable candidate as well. Aaron, what, what has been kind of like your early analysis from maybe what you've read or what you've seen in terms of the trip for President Joe Biden going to Israel? Because um, what would you say is the initial reaction that you're seeing uh, across the, the political landscape of him traveling there? Yeah. Uh, you know, what's your early read there? So it's a really tricky thing to talk about, because even just before we got on this call, I mean, I'm noticing that on Twitter and Twitter is not representative these days, really, of like the general voting populace, but people are very on the left mad at Biden because they feel like he's been too friendly to Israel, that he's not you know, pushing them hard enough to stop bombing Gaza, to show more restraint. You know, Biden publicly has called for restraint and he announced a $100 million aid package to Palestinians. But I, you know, I'm definitely noticing among kind of the far left people that I engage with on Twitter that there seems to be a lot of frustration and people saying they're going to vote for Cornell West and things like that next year. And I don't really think that's backed up by polling, which shows that, you know, most people think he should be even more supportive of Israel than he has been. So it's just a really tough thing to gauge when you spend time on social media like I do, um, because I don't think you're getting a representative sample. But, you know, for me, I thought that his speech today in Israel kind of hit a lot of the right notes in terms of, you know, talking about anti-Semitism and how this attack on Israel kind of fits into a history of Jews being persecuted, but then also talking about how the vast majority majority of Palestinians don't su- support Hamas and, you know, have a right to dignity and to, you know, not being bombed and, and those sorts of terrible things. So I think it's a really difficult needle for him to try to thread. And I think he's done a pretty good job doing it. But I do worry, just based on what I'm seeing on social media, that there does seem to be a lot of disaffection on the far left. And if people do kind of coalesce behind the Cornell West type candidate, that mm-hmm. could really, you know, make or break his his chances of returning to, you know, of winning a second term. Yeah, we're talking to Aaron Rupar from Public Notice here on the Lake Show on News Talk eight three zero WCCO. I guess the the last thing that I would ask you, Aaron, and we'll let you go, is, you know, I'm not going to sit here and try to perpetrate that I'm well versed in everything that's going on with the conflict over there, right? Like I like I like to read, you know, I, I like to use my Barnes and Noble card and read up on you know different things and stuff like that, and I do a, you know a ton of research for the show. But I think at the end of the day, one of the things to me that's so confusing is, and you mentioned it, you talked about social media, you talked about Twitter, and there's a lot of propaganda, there's a lot of misinformation. And and just like you and everybody else, we're trying to sift through it all. But the question is this, do you think that we are, um, I guess, critical um, or giving enough criticism of the president or looking at this country and our support of Israel and do you think that we should be more critical of all the times that we have supported them from this particular standpoint of looking at the people of the Palestinian people and understanding that there's a lot that's going on on with 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 them and and them dealing with you know being uh misplaced uh displaced rather and having to deal with all the dynamics of their relationship between the two, it seems like a lot of times we're picking sides, and I hate picking yep. sides with all of this. Yeah, I totally agree with you that um, I think you know the plight of Palestinians is something that isn't talked about enough in the context of military aid to Israel and the U.S.'s support of Israel over decades now. But I, you know, the other kind of flip side of that is I think 
you know, on the heels of the worst act of violence against Jews since the Holocaust, this horrible terrorist attack that occurred, you know, 10 days ago now, like that would be a pretty weird occasion to use for a reassessment, mm-hmm. you know, because they're our ally. Um, they have been basically since the beginning of Israel, you know, 75 years ago, roughly. And so, you know, that's kind of those are two thoughts that are kind of difficult to reconcile, where I think long term, we certainly need to reassess kind of our unconditional military support for Israel in that, you know, they're brutalizing Gaza and many civilians. I mean, I think more Palestinian civilians at this point have died than than Israelis did in the attack. But um, it's, yeah, that's it's, true. It's a, weird time to ha- it's a weird time to have that conversation on the heels of this terrible attack that occurred. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. Hey, Aaron, man, always a pleasure to, uh, to, to have you on the show. I look forward to it in the future as we get a more streamlined schedule of you coming on the Lake Show with everybody else that will be coming on here in the next couple of weeks as we unveil our new guest lineup. But thank you so much. And uh, everybody out there listening, make sure that you uh, sign up for Public Notice's Substack newsletter. Uh, Aaron Rupar here on the Lake Show. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks. All right, take care. That's Aaron Rupar joining us here on the show. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come right back. LeBron James is being criticized by former Laker great Michael Cooper. And I agree with the criticism. We get to that next on the Lake Show. All right, we're coming up on the top of the hour break. And I got to admit, at the top of the hour break, I got I to grab something. I got to snack on something. I haven't eaten anything all day long. And we're talking about food with... Bryce Quinn, he brought his beautiful family, his, his wife Natalie, his son Vincent in studio, owners of Cafe Latte Bread and Chocolate. And so, like, I'm hungry thinking about the desserts. I haven't really eaten anything at all today, ripping and running and doing stuff. And so I, I understand being hungry. I'm going to try to grab something at the top of the hour. I understand, too, when athletes get hungry, even in the midst of competition. Athletic events. LeBron James is getting called out by former L.A. Laker. Laker, great. Five-time NBA champion. He played 12 seasons with the Lakers. Michael Cooper. So LeBron James went viral on Friday night. It's the preseason game against the Golden State Warriors. He's sitting on the end of the bench. He's in street clothes. Okay, in the second half. And he's eating a fruit salad while his teammates were still playing. Uh, this is not World War One. This is not Israel and, uh, you know, what's going on with the Palestinians. This is not anything that people are going to lose sleep over. I get that. It's not a big, big deal. But Michael Cooper criticized LeBron James, and I think for good reason. He says, quote, I didn't like that. Again, he's LeBron James, but still, you got to have some respect for the game, man. He's over there, and I don't mind the guy eating, but go eat in the locker room. And then when you come out, you come out and be part of the team, not just sit on the end of the bench eating. I know that this is not a big story, and I just went from – an actual war that's taking place to this much lighter situation. But the OG, the legend, Michael Cooper, is right here. LeBron. I think one time LeBron had wine sitting on the bench. I know that you're LeBron James. We know that you're in the conversation for the GOAT of basketball and one of the greatest athletes we've ever seen in our lifetime. 
It doesn't mean you do this. I'm sorry. I, I can't get behind this. Man. Who paid for it, though? I mean, who paid for the food? Who cares? Well, I, Don't I mean, do it. No, th- there is a level of professionalism. Yes. That when you're there, yeah, you're LeBron James. You get all of these perks because you're LeBron. But at the end of the day, you're still a member of the team. And what you're doing is putting yourself above the team. And it's it's crazy. I mean, having wine, I mean, at, at least put it in a bottle and drink it like a, you know. I mean, geez. I mean, what's next? Is he going to have a surf and turf out there? I mean, what are we what are we doing with that? So I, I just don't get it. No, I, I I don't either. It's ridiculous. You're doing it because you're LeBron and you can. Like what? Okay. Yeah, and just because you can do it, that Th- means do it. Doesn't mean you should. Just like the first date. Yeah. I'm gonna order up everything, man. You think LeBron could down how many oysters? <laughs> Forty eight. Forty eight. I had one oyster and I felt like I was gonna throw up. Like, so, those things are disgusting. Ugh. Full transparency, I've yeah. never had an oyster in my life. Oh, dude, I had it when I was— It, it just looks too weird to me. Well, I, I guess it's like you you shoot it. Yeah, it's and so And then you have it with like some, some hot sauce. And I, I mean, there are ways, because my friends in Houston, like, I love, like, shellfish, crab, lobster, things like that. I love. And Houston has bomb. I love crab, but, lobster, and scallops. Oh, uh, See, I, I, I've never had scallops. You've never had a scallop? I don't think I've life? ever had a scallop. Okay, you've had an oyster, though. Uh, yeah. I, I, I love scallops. I would never. I cook scallops. Do you? Yeah. Okay. I've never had an oyster since then. To me, it's just, it's got like a really fishy, nasty aftertaste. I had one and I was like, I'm I'm good. Because my friends in Houston would be like, man, you got to have this. You got to shoot some oysters. I'm like, I don't shoot nothing. I ain't got, you know, how do you shoot an oyster? I mean, it's an oyster. They're like, no, you shoot it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Would you? What I need a Glock? I, that's what I, I thought. <laughs> I mean, do I have to go in? Do I have to go in there with an AR-15? Boom! Shoot an oyster. Boom, boom. No, it just it was ridiculous. I will not have an oyster. So yeah, if you're ever going to go out with somebody, if they're going to order order oysters, that's your first inclination. Well, that's well. This is the thing. Did, did you see the actual picture of LeBron on the on the bench? You no. got to see. Even the picture, I mean, it's, like, ridiculous. Like, LeBron, what are you doing, dude? I know you're in street clothes, but he's sitting next to Anthony Davis, who's, you know, in his journey. You know, he's, yeah. he's, he's playing. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah, when, when you click and look at the picture in the article, you're yeah. like, come on, bro. Oh, LeBron. See, and, and, I mean. I but know, it's but, LeBron knowing he can get away with it. No well, one's going to call him out on and it. And that's well, just like a, Cooper did. Yeah, well, good for Coop. Good for Coop, because I, I feel like the Lakers, there are only – a certain number of individuals that played for the Lakers that could actually call LeBron out like that. And Michael Cooper is one of them. Like he was a big, big part of the Showtime teams. And you mentioned, you know, five time, five time NBA champ. Like, oh, he was awesome. He was awesome. Yeah. The Cooper loop. Yeah. The high, oh, so- man. The high socks and everything. I mean, him catching those alley oops. He, and his, and he made his name as an elite defender. Like he was exceptional. Yeah, but yeah, I, I'm all for this, man. Let 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 LeBron know, man. Look, we love you. Do you think he do this in the regular season though, or just because it's preseason and like nobody cares? Oh, what? I, I think that LeBron would do this in the regular season, and if he was out injured, yeah. or if he was missing a game or something like that, I think he would absolutely. I don't think it's just because of the preseason. I but I, but okay. I, I love that Michael Cooper did this because now what it does is it lets LeBron know. Man, don't be doing this during the regular season. Yeah. Like, it's not okay. It's yeah. not cool. We don't we don't approve of this. Well, you think about all the, the disappointment that the Lakers have been coming off of the last couple of years. I mean, na- naturally. I mean, LeBron. Don't eat in the locker room. Yeah. And that's, 
Well, th- that's just it. And I think it also does prove that nobody is above criticism. Like if Michael Cooper, if he sees something, what is it? If you see something, say something. Yeah. So, yeah, good for Michael Cooper. Hey, real quick, I, I do like this text um, about um, the situation um, overseas, Israel, Palestinians, and, and the whole situation with Hamas. I do like this. It says it is not between Israel and the Palestinians. It's between Israel and Hamas, um, which I like that with the understanding that Palestinians are caught, innocent Palestinians are caught in the middle. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's an issue there. When and Aaron references, and I looked this up earlier today, and the New York Times did some some number crunching, and you'll be blown away at the 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 number of Palestinians that have been killed since what was it two thousand eight until two thousand twenty versus those from Israel. Like if you go back, you start fact checking everything. Yeah, it's, it's quite an, an eye-opening situation. All right, coming up next, we have to start enforcing bans on fans that do this at sporting events. I'll tell you what that is next year on The Lake Show. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.